0: We come now on page 12 of the Order of Service to Lord's Day 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And our responsive reading from the Catechism today quotes a lot of Scripture. And so this is probably the longest Lord's Day that we've had to read together so far. This is question and answer 75 through 77. And it's just a fraction of what our Catechism has to say about the Lord's Supper. So that gives you some indication... That when we speak about the sacraments, we're not talking about far-off secondary matters. We're talking about means of grace, means of grace. So we confess uh, many particular things as it has been given to us here in the Catechism, as it summarizes Scripture for us. Well, let's read that responsively together, beginning with question and answer 75. How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command come these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me, and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me, and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves, and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, So surely He nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with His crucified body and poured out blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink His poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ, and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins And eternal life but it means more through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body and so although he is in heaven and we are on earth we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, eat, This promise is repeated by Paul in these words, the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Well done reciting that together. Let's go to the Lord now and ask for his help. O oh, Heavenly Father, your word is perfect, restoring the soul, making wise the simple, and enlightening the eyes of the blind. And it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We, however, are by nature blind and incapable of doing anything good. And you will comfort only those who have. Have a broken and contrite heart and who tremble before your word. We ask you, therefore, that you will illumine our darkened minds with your Holy Spirit and give us a humble heart, free from all haughtiness and worldly wisdom, in order that we, hearing your word, may rightly understand it and regulate our lives accordingly. We ask you, Father, graciously to convert those who are straying from the truth that we all in unity may serve You in true holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Bible, it is no small thing to sit down to a meal with someone else. That's a big deal. It was a big deal in the ancient world, no less so, perhaps more so, in the Bible. For instance, for centuries, the Jews were to be separate from the Gentile world. And one of the key ways that this separation was put in place was that they were prohibited from sharing fellowship meals with those outside the covenant. They were not to sit down and have table fellowship with Gentiles. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that Christ came and preached peace to those who were near. That's the Jews to those who are far off. That's the Gentiles. And he's broken this dividing wall down. And so now, all Christians, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, doesn't matter, all those who confess Christ are to share meals with one another. This is what Paul got so frustrated with Peter about. Peter, of course, being the first pope who got this completely wrong. (laughs) joking, of course. Peter was wrong, but uh, he wasn't the first pope. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, Peter got this wrong. He was tempted to stop eating with Gentiles. And Paul said to him, well, if you're not going to sit down and have table fellowship with Gentiles, you're denying the doctrine of justification, which says that all Jew and Gentile alike are righteous through Christ alone. So you need to sit down and, and share a meal with your Christian brothers and sisters. It's a sign of fellowship. And sharing a meal, therefore, is a big deal. Sharing a meal also communicates fellowship, not just with your neighbor, but with God. Fellowship with God is facilitated through the mechanism of food and meals in the Bible. Moses and the elders of Israel went up to Mount Sinai, as we read in Exodus 24. And we read, They beheld God, and they ate and drank. They feasted before the Lord as a way of sealing that covenant ceremony that had just taken place at Mount Sinai. To eat and to drink with God is, in one sense, the goal of all creation. Because fellowship with God is the goal of all creation. To sit down with the one who has confessed to be our God, and we are his people, and to do so around a meal is the goal that Revelation speaks of in chapter 19, that we are to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb, fellowship with God and with his people. This evening we come to the topic of the Holy Supper of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we recognize that this is a sacred meal that strengthens our fellowship with God and with one another. It is a meal of union and communion. Of union with Jesus Christ, by which, through through this meal, our union with Him is strengthened, and our communion, our fellowship, our sharing with Him is strengthened as well. This meal has been called different names through the centuries. Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, even the Eucharist. All of these are, in one way or another, coming from the Bible, or are adapted from something that we find in the Bible. That word Eucharist simply comes from the word to give thanks, which is what Jesus did in the institution of the Supper. And tonight, our goal is merely to understand how we participate in this sacrament, and two effects that God promises to achieve when we celebrate it. How do we participate in it? And two things that God promises he will do when we celebrate it together. First, we have to come to recognize that believing is eating. Believing Believing is eating. We're going to take a a look more closely at our two New Testament readings that we looked at. So if you've turned away from John chapter 6 and you want your eyes on the text here, I encourage you to turn back there with me. John chapter 6, we learn there what it means to eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He tells us what it means. And again, as we saw, this is just after the feeding of the 5,000. And after that grand feast miracle, where Jesus is showing what fellowship is meant to look like. The crowds follow him back to Capernaum, the other side of the lake. And he tells them in verse 26, he he basically says, you followed me because your bellies are full. He says, you didn't even follow me because you saw a miracle. You followed me because you got food. And then he exhorts them and he says, you ought to be following after food that endures to eternal life. Seek the food that endures to eternal life. Okay, those are the terms of Jesus. His claim is that there is such a thing as food that leads to eternal life. What is this food? He gives the answer several times in the passage. Okay, so we're going to scan through. I'm going to give us a few verses from this teaching. And what we're looking out for is what is the food that leads to eternal life? Verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread. That came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. There's the eternal life, and there's the food that leads to it. Verse 54 and 55 Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. There it is again. Eternal life and the food that leads to it when you eat it. And again, verse 58. Jesus says, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. There was manna that came down from heaven back in Exodus 16. And it fed the people of God. And it was miraculous. And it sustained their life but they ate it and died. It was not food that led to eternal life. Jesus says, whoever feeds on this bread, the bread that's come down from heaven, will live forever, eternal life. So there is food that when it is eaten, grants the recipient eternal life, and Jesus says that He Himself is that food. His flesh is true food, and his blood is true drink. Jesus' teaching led some of the religious leaders in verse fifty two to ask, "How can this man give us his flesh to eat? we We shouldn't miss that they would have been absolutely scandalized by this teaching. Considering that Jewish teaching uh, from time immemorial had said, You can eat all kinds of food, but you can't eat the blood because the life is in the blood. That's what the the Jewish Torah always taught the people of God. So you can't get rid of the blood. Now Jesus says, you don't drink my blood, you don't have life. Uh, So it's not only scandalous in that way, but he's not even talking about an animal. He's talking about his own flesh and his own blood. Scandal after scandal stacked on top of one another in this teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why they ask, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? In other words, they're taking Jesus completely, literally. Instead of taking Jesus as he's teaching them. Instead of listening to what he's actually saying. They are like Nicodemus. From three chapters beforehand. In John chapter 3. Jesus says you must be born again. Nicodemus says can a person enter a second time. Into his mother's womb and be born. You get the sense that Jesus gets frustrated. That people won't just give him a minute. To explain what he means. That's what they're doing here in Capernaum. Like the best of teachers. Jesus here is using. A figure of speech. Now. We believe that he is talking about his flesh and his blood. He's talking about his natural flesh and blood. But to eat of this flesh and blood is a figure of speech. A provocative one, definitely, but a figure of speech nevertheless. And we know this because in the same extended teaching about eating his body and drinking his blood, he tells us what he means. He tells us what he means. Go back to verse 40. He's actually clearer at the beginning and then moves into figures of speech. And all the people there in Capernaum wanted to do was to focus on the figure of speech and take it completely literally. But in verse 40, he says, Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him has what? Eternal life. He has eternal life. We say, Jesus, you said that there was food that gives you eternal life. But here earlier you said you have to believe in order to get eternal life. Here's the point. Jesus says whoever feeds on his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life. And this is a figure of speech to describe the act of faith leading to eternal life. Believing is eating. The leaders of Capernaum that day took this to mean the literal consuming of flesh and blood with our mouths and our teeth. And unfortunately, many in Christian history have taught the same thing, even though Jesus said, wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. That's not what I'm telling you to do, is to take my flesh and blood into your actual literal mouth and down into your stomachs. So Jesus has already pinpointed that to be an error, and he says it means something different. So whatever we believe about the Lord's Supper, we have to come with this basic understanding that the language of eating and drinking is a figure of speech. To believe in Christ is to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. As the 4th century church father Augustine said on this passage, He says, why do you prepare your mouth and teeth? Believe, and you have eaten. Believe, and you have eaten. That is how we gain Christ and sit down to a meal with Him in this age. We believe, and in believing, we eat. Secondly, in this act of eating, we are eating in fellowship with God. Through his son Jesus Christ. Now we've established here that faith, what faith does, the act of faith, is that it, it clings to Jesus Christ, and according to Jesus' teaching here, it is a feasting upon his body and blood. That's what faith does. Now, this is in John chapter 6. And as we saw this morning in Mark, the near the end of Mark, Jesus has added an actual ceremony to this teaching about eating and drinking of him. And that ceremony is, of course, the Lord's Supper. So the sacraments are always tied to faith. That is how they are effective for you. That is how they are a means of grace to you. Through the Spirit and by faith, you receive the benefits of Jesus Christ. Now, let's learn what actually happens when we celebrate that ceremony. Come back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In this passage, Paul is making a larger argument about idolatry. That's his actual topic. And he says that we should not, as Christians, eat at pagan religious feasts. Because by doing so, you're participating in in a meal with demons. You're fellowshipping with demons, he says. To make this point about idolatry and about fleeing from idolatry, he brings up the Lord's Supper. Look with me at verse 16. Paul says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? A couple of things to notice here. First, notice that this is spoken about, this, this ceremony is spoken about as a sacrament. This is sacramental language. The bread and the cup are signs. The body and blood of Jesus Christ are the things signified. That's what we've been learning. That's the vocabulary we've been learning the last several weeks. There are signs And through those signs that are visible to us, through them, we receive the things signified. That's the first thing to notice. So this is a sacrament. second thing to notice is Paul's use of the word participation. The sacramental cup, he says, is a participation in the blood of Christ. The sacramental bread is a participation in the body of Christ. This word participation can get very justifiably can get translated in many different ways. All kind of telling us, helpfully telling us, what Paul is getting at here. Sometimes it is translated as a sharing in the body and blood of Christ. Fellowship in the body and blood of Christ. Or communion in the body and blood of Christ. Which is where we get that name for this particular sacrament. The Supper is a communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, when we participate in the sacrament by faith, then through faith we eat and drink the natural body and blood of Jesus Christ in heaven. You say, how? No one knows. That is the great mystery of the sacrament. We participate in heavenly realities through faith and by the Holy Spirit. We can only say what Scripture has revealed to us. And we have always in our tradition said what we are feasting on is Jesus Christ, His flesh and His blood. We are truly eating and drinking with the Savior and we are truly eating and drinking the Savior. And through this, Our union with him is strengthened, and we have fellowship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. This communicates to you. It ought to communicate to you, and I hope it does every time you come to the table, that he is not just the Savior, he is your Savior. He's feeding you, he is strengthening you, he is building you up in your most holy faith. He's strengthening that union. What is that union like? It is like a marriage. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. He says, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. Brothers and sisters, in the Holy Supper, Christ Himself nourishes you and cherishes you. If you need a sign of his love, it is found at the table of the Lord. He nourishes and cherishes you as the perfect husband, nourishing and cherishing his lovely wife, whom he loves. Like the first marriage, which we find in Genesis, Adam and Eve, the Lord's Supper is, in particular, the place and the celebration where Jesus says to us, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That is how near we are to the Savior. That is the vitality of our union with Him. And the Lord's Supper proclaims that to us and strengthens that union. So believe and you have eaten. And in eating, know for certain that you have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Lastly and briefly this evening. We not only eat and have fellowship with God, we have fellowship with one another. Paul continues on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 27. He says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Just sit with that verse for a moment. Because Paul could not be clearer. He basically has one claim, and then he supports the claim by repeating himself twice. The claim is, we who are many are one body. That's the claim. But on either side of that claim, in the sentence, he basically says the same thing. Because there's one bread, because there's one loaf, we who are many are made one, for we share in the one loaf not by magic not by transubstantiation but through a sacramental union with the elements of the Lord's Supper and the powerful word of God there is a union between the sign and the thing signified and Jesus will certainly accomplish certain things not only fellowship with God through Jesus Christ but fellowship with one another he makes us one as the body of Christ. Does Jesus desire to have fellowship with a fractured bride? No. So he by his grace makes us one. We come with our sin. then we come with our faith. And he makes us one through this holy sacrament. By definition. Brothers and sisters. A feast is a community event. I've never heard of a, of a feast. Where it was one person sitting by himself or herself. It's not a feast. And in this particular holy feast, God takes that community aspect that is built into the idea of a feast and powerfully applies it to his church. Here's how the catechism's main author, Zacharias Ursinus, says it. He says, The supper is to be a bond of love, declaring that all who partake of it aright are made members of one body whose head is Christ. Those now who are members of the same body have a mutual love for one another. This is the fellowship that Christ accomplishes through his sacrament. In other words, this holy meal that we participate in is truly a means of grace. We're not just saying words when we say it. It is a means through which we participate in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. When we come to the table with faith in the Son of God, He truly offers His crucified body and shed blood to us, nourishing us and our fellow travelers. And not only does He nourish us with Himself, He proclaims to us that we do not walk alone in this pilgrimage but the Spirit uses this same sacrament to knit us together in the bond of love, empowering us to walk in love with one another. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray now that this word we have heard would be inscribed on our hearts and that you would bring it to mind every time we approach the holy table of the Lord, that we with the power of the Holy Spirit would be made one body in fellowship with the triune God. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen.